a couple has a mysterious experience camping in the woods. And then we travel back to the 1890s, where America has been plagued with UFO sightings. But they weren't your typical UFOs. These things were known as airships. Big old blimps from another planet. If you think that's ridiculous, there's a story that one of them crashed in Texas, and the alien pilot may be buried in the local cemetery, today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day, too. It's the new year. It's New Year's. You're probably listening to this, if you're quick, on New Year's Eve. But most of you are going to be listening to this on January 1st, 2020. The most futuristic sounding year since the year 2000. We are in a new decade. We're in, oh my god, all the newspapers tomorrow or today. Depends on when you're listening to this. Or a couple days from now, if you listen to it in the future, all the headlines tomorrow, I'm going to make a prediction. They're going to say the Roaring Twenties. They're going to be able to pronounce the word roaring. (laughs) Roaring, right? It's my speech impediment coming out. The Roaring Twenties. All the headlines tomorrow are going to say that. But hopefully it is. Hopefully the Twenties is the decade that everything gets back on track. Because you whippersnappers, you don't remember what things were like before 9-11. It was awesome. It was totally awesome. This past 20 years has been kind of rough. But dude, on <laughs> September 10th, 2001, it was pretty dope. All that stuff that was happening before that, you could have an entire generation of people who just goes, ah, whatever. Which was the greatest generation. Of course, Generation X. Yeah, I feel bad for you guys. But anyways, hopefully, the 2020s, the, the roaring 20s, is a time of great prosperity and peace all across the land. And also, I'm sick. That's not a good way for me to start the new year. But it doesn't matter. If I have to have a little bit of illness to start off the new year so the world will be at peace, I will take that. If I have to have a touch of the flu so I can bring about peace to all man, I'm willing to make that sacrifice. Let's go ahead and move on to our first story before the illness completely takes over my body and I become a living embodiment of the Mucinex man. Because honestly, I'm not far off already. Our first story was actually sent to me by Scary Man Esquire. I always appreciate suggestions, and I definitely appreciate suggestions when they're this weird, when they're totally this bizarre. So thanks, Scary Man, for sending me this. Scary Man's been listening to the show for a long time. We're going to Pierce County, Washington. Let's hop in the Jason Jalopy. We haven't used this in a while. Our best mode of road transportation. Hop on in. Watch, I'm going to get copyright strike now for that. They've been watching my channel, dude. I got hit real hard when I did that Christmas song. We're driving through Oregon. We're going to go up into Washington. We're going to go to Pierce County, Washington. It's about in the middle of the state. Now, if you're not familiar with the Pacific Northwest, it is the hub of Bigfoot activity. You got a lot in California, and then you have like swamp apes in the south, and of course the Yeti and Himalayas and stuff like that, but Bigfoot, actual like Bigfoot trademark, that name is the Pacific Northwest. We own that, dude. So the fact that we're up in the Pacific Northwest, and you have reports of Bigfoot, that's not anything unusual. I mean, it's unusual as far as any science or rational thought is, but as far as the paranormal goes, that's where you would expect to find these things. We have, we have a story from 2005. This couple is camping in the woods. They hear, Aah! 
and they're like, what in the world is that noise? Now, the noise I'm doing, it's ten times louder. The woman said it was so loud, it felt like it was going to knock her off of her heels. It was like this shockwave coming at her. Her husband was a hunter. He grew up in the area and never heard the sound before. She's freaking out. And she's like, let's leave. And the dude's like, no, we're we're good. We're good. We'll stay the night. So all night long, I wouldn't stay in my in my living room if I heard that noise. I don't think I would stay on like a heavily armored military base if I heard that noise anywhere near me. And that night they hear a bunch of pots and pans. Okay, to be fair, they're pots and pans. These are pots and pans the campers brought with them. It wasn't like this mysterious noise also had a bunch of dishes and stuff like that. He's like, oh, they don't like my screaming. Time to bust out my pots and pans. This was their stuff that they had left out. Because they're camping. They're not going to put all their dishes away each night. They hear that. There's a big storm rage. And they hear all these pots and pans banging. And you're like, well, Jason, it's the storm knocking them together. That's what I thought as well. But the woman says when they woke up, all the pots and pans were still there. She did relay this particular story to this Bigfoot researcher. That she had bought some hot links. And she took a bite out of them. And they were too spicy for her. So she threw them 20 feet away. Which, first off, that's a pretty good throw for a girl. Secondly, I've never eaten a hot link that was too spicy. Like, who that who made those hot links? It's, anyways, that's not... You're like, Jason, you're talking about Bigfoots walking around. You haven't even gotten to the weird stuff yet. You're, you're questioning the credibility of the story because a woman threw something 20 feet, which really isn't that far, and because a hot link was too spicy. Like, you're probably questioning the wrong things. Anyways, she throws the hot links, and she says later that night, she heard <laughs> she heard the creature, because they stay the other night, they stay another night, she hears the creature supposedly eating the hot links that she threw and going, <gasps> and she says, he's not having an orgasm. Oh, I really love these hot links. You're like wondering where he's putting these hot links to make that noise. She said it was similar to the sound of when you bite into something too hot. The The word she actually used was, quote, who, who, unquote. So like H-O-O, H-O-O. And so I guess it's less orgasmic and more like, <sighs> I don't know. But anyway, she said that she the hot links were too <laughs> too spicy even for a Bigfoot, which would be an amazing marketing gimmick. She should have called up the hot link company. Too hot for Bigfoot. But anyways... Eventually, the campers leave. They leave the area, so on and so forth. So you're like, that is an okay Bigfoot story. They just hear, they don't see it. They hear a a bunch of weird noises. There's some hot links that are too hot for Bigfoot. Okay, that's not the story that Scary Man sent me that got me interested in this. So that is to set the mood for Pierce County. It's a weird place. Super spicy food, pots banging, but don't move. Women have the ability to throw three times their normal distance. It's a true vortex of the paranormal. But now we're going back to the year 1985. It's July 6th, 1985. Pierce County, Washington. So these two campers run into a police station. Ding-ling! Throw the door open. Apparently cop, cop stations have a little bell on their door. Ding-ling! They walk in. And they're like, oh, 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 you won't, you won't believe what just happened. Oh. The cops look at each other. They go, did you just eat some hot links? They're like, no, 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 no. We had those before we left. They say, we're just camping out in Pierce County. Okay? We're in our tent. And a monster showed up. Starts banging on the tent. 
We were scared, obviously. Terrified. But then, we realized it wasn't a monster. wasn't a creature from our dreams. The police were getting scared. They're like, oh, good, good. I'm, I'm afraid of monsters. They're like, no, it wasn't a monster. It was a bear. But not just any bear. An eight-foot-tall bear. Now, the cops kind of look at each other, and they're like, there's no bears that tall in this area. And the campers are like, we know what we saw. We know what we saw. Eight-foot-tall bear was banging on our tent. And that's not even the weird part. What happened was, as the bear was pounding on our tent, it asked us a question. Cops are like, what? The people go, we're sitting there, and the bear starts pounding on the tent, and says, in a high voice, now, if a bear's talking to you, you would imagine... It's either going to be like, what is your name? Or, hey, boo-boo, what is your name? Like something, bear, maybe Winnie the Pooh. Oh, bother. What is, that's like a British butler. You get it. There's certain names we associate with bears. Maybe a Baloo, if he's a little high. This bear, though, had a high voice. So the bear is banging on this tent, and it goes, what are your names? Bruh, bruh, attacking the tent. They go, they say their names. The bear then goes, do you have permission to be here? Apparently, he's also now the crib keeper banging on the tent. They're like, yes, yes, we have permission. And then the creature goes, get out, get out. <laughs> now it's an evil witch. Get out, get off this property. Now, go immediately. And the people jumped out of their tent and ran. And as we're packing up to leave, the bear starts picking rocks up and throwing them at us. So just now rocks are falling, which is kind of a which kind of a jerk move on the bear's behalf. Like he already he already breaking the laws of reality by being a giant talking bear. That's bad enough. And he tells them to get lost. They do and then for good measure the the bear's like, "You know what? My work here is done." But I'm just going to throw rocks at him because it's possible that the bear would smash one of their heads in and now the bear has a body there. And then he's like, well, I have to murder you too. And then kills you. Just let him leave. Just let him leave, mysterious bear person. You don't have to. You've won. You've won at that point. Got in their car. Got to the police station. Now, at this point, the cops basically are about to run these guys in for being publicly intoxicated, for wasting their time, for running some sort of scam. Whatever. They don't believe it, but they have to do their due diligence. And I'm sure they were, I'm sure they were kind of curious as to well, maybe. That's why I would be a terrible cop, because anytime anyone reported anything weird, I'd be like, well, maybe, Sergeant. Maybe there really is. Maybe Gerald Ford really is hiding in her closet. Like, I don't know. They're like, Jason, that woman has dementia. She's mentioned every president so far is in her closet. I'm like, but maybe this one's true. So I'd be a terrible cop. But anyways, they go out. They get uh, other authorities, like the fire department gets involved. They go out looking for it for some reason. The cops are too scared. They were afraid it was going to be true. The fire department goes to the campsite. They just see some animal tracks, but not bear tracks. The police start interviewing neighbors who live around the campgrounds. And someone goes, oh, yeah, those campers? Yeah, I totally ran them off. They're like, what? He's like, yeah, I walked up to their tent and I said, dude, who are you guys? And they told me their names. And I was like, do you have permission to be here? And they said, yeah. And I said, get out of here. Go away immediately. Get out of here. Because they had a fire. And it's like, oh, look at all that brush. They didn't keep it. So I showed up and I ran them off. Cops are like, you don't happen to be an eight foot tall talking bear, do you? The neighbor looks down. They're like, no, no, I'm obviously not. So the police go back to the people and go, we, this, this is what happened. Somebody showed up at your tent and told you exactly what you told us. 
And you, you got out of your tent and ran away. But the people go, oh, so you found the bear. I was like, no, it was a normal person who showed up who said all this stuff. You're like, Jason, is this really, is this really one of your stories? Some people who, who mistakenly think a normal human. The guy wasn't even eight foot tall. It was not like an eight foot tall human wearing a fur coat. Just a normal person walked up in the woods. Is this really your story? That these people are just stupid? Well, hold on. What we know to be true is that the people ran into the police station. The people were camping there. The people existed. These are all things we know that are true. The people existed in this reality. They were camping there that day. Somebody ran them off. They leave, and then they go to the police station. The question is, was there really a bear, a talking bear there? But this is an interesting story. And again, scary, man. Thanks for the recommendation. This is an interesting story for a couple different reasons. One... We have the answer to the mystery. The people were mistaken. But here's the thing. How do you mistake a human with an eight-foot-tall bear? I would argue you can't. And the cops say we just think they had an overactive imagination, which I would believe if they were six. But let's put on our conspiracy hats for a moment. Let's break them out. What if the two greatest words in any paranormal researcher's lexicon what if the person who showed up and was running them off was the like the spirit or the personification of this bear like i don't think that they made the story up because that's such a bizarre story to make up they could have said generally if they were making it up they could have went to the cops and said hey we were minding our own business some weirdos showed up and started making lewd gestures and humping the tent and we got up they're super gross, and we can point them out and send the cop. If they're making it up, they can make up all sorts of stuff. And they can get somebody in trouble. If they were mistaken, it's a, it is hard to mistake a human with an eight-foot-tall talking bear. But what if the person personified the bear? Where, if in the moment they saw, like, some five-foot-eleven person walk up to the tent and say, hey, get out of here, it wouldn't have had any effect on them. Yeah, yeah, bug off, person. This is our camping site. They're kicking embers at him. <sighs> Guy runs off. The fact that he could personify the bear is what scared them off. And it's just like old native legends where you have people like transform into the eagle. I get it. It's not an 80s cartoon. They're not the centurions. They don't have like a hologram that comes out of their chest. They turn into a giant eagle. But the spirit of the bear, the spirit of the fox, which to be honest would be kind of a lame spirit to have. That's... I don't want to say that's possible, but I'm going to. That's possible. In the realm of the paranormal, haven't you ever been in a room and somebody walks in? Maybe it's you. Maybe you're the person walking into the room. But somebody walks in and they just have something about them. You're out at a martini bar because I know my audience is really into martinis from the surveys I sent out. You're at a martini bar and and some dude walks in and you're like, that guy has the power of a rhino. He's knocking stuff over. Stuff that's not even by him is getting knocked over. Some dude gets gored. The bartender's all, Aah! blood everywhere. You know what I mean. That was a joke. But you know what I mean? Like, some people can exude. And we use words like, oh, yeah, he has this magnetism where he exudes confidence or stuff like that. But what if it is something more than that? Something that our spirit is reaching out and I think everyone does it. And I think everyone actually gives off a sense of who they are, whether or not they want to. Some people are really adept at hiding it, but for the most part, it's pretty easy to read. That's why you can be standing next to someone and get a weird feeling and be like, I don't want to hang out with this person. 
Now, I'm not saying that, that if you look over, that person has the spirit animal of a lizard. But what I'm getting, we're getting this is what happens when you don't pre-plan how your episodes end. Because this is pretty much the ending, because I'm too sick to do a second story. What if that person came to the tent and was a bear, like a spirit animal was a bear. And that's what these people saw. That's what chased them off. Because really, there's only two other scenarios. One, there really was a talking bear there who said exactly what a real person said. A real person said this. The people go, bug off, kick the embers at him. And then a bear was lurking in the forest and goes, what? They're picking on my buddy. And they came out and said the exact same thing. Or the people were completely mistaken. And someone came up to them and told them to leave. And what they thought happened was a giant magical bear showed up, which if that's the case, these people shouldn't be in normal society. They're on a bus, and the bus driver's like, can I get your ticket? And they're like, ah, bears. Everyone else is an ostrich or something like that. They're either mentally insane, a bear saw it in the woods. What I'm saying is (laughs) the, the person who lodged the complaint did lodge the complaint, but they saw it as a bear. I guess that does make them mentally insane. <laughs> now that I say that, you know what I'm talking about. Spirit animals, what if these people saw one? Well, let's go ahead and move on to our next story. Now, you heard me in the beginning talk about we're going to do airships. We've totally run out of time to do airships. So we're going to save that for tomorrow, but I'm not going to leave you hanging. I'm going to give you another story here. Let's take a look here and see what we got. Here's a creepy one. We'll end we'll end the New Year's with this spooky uh, this spooky one. It's July 18th, 2015. We're leaving behind Pierce County. Hop on board. We're going to take the Carpenter Copter. We're going to fly out to Charleston, West Virginia. And there we're going to meet a young woman named Heather Saul. She's an escort. She makes her money giving people sexual pleasure. Using Backpage, which I think they got shut down, right? They're they're done. But there used to be a website called Backpage. That was basically the naughty neighbor of Craigslist. You could hook up with people, buy prostitutes, stuff like that. Using Backpage, she meets a man named Neil Falls. She arranges for this dude to come to her house. So she's sitting there in her living room. She's like, and she hears a knock, knock, knock. She's like, on the clock. Time to have sex for money. And she gets up. She's she's very, very blunt about her own profession. She gets up. She opens the door. Here's this man standing in front of her. And he puts a gun to her chest and just asks, Live or die. And she's thinking, is this uh, is this viral marketing for a new Die Hard movie? But instead, it's not. It's a murder attempt. She They start fighting. He gets her in a chokehold. They start fighting. She reaches and she grabs a rake. And she starts swinging it around. She knows that this really is live or die. He puts the gun down. This guy, Neil, puts the gun down and begins overpowering her, trying to get the rake out of her hands. She lets go of the rake at this point because there's a better weapon that's available. She grabs the gun, and without looking, she reaches over her shoulder and pulls the trigger once, killing him instantly. Just blows him away, bullet right through the brain. She does probably the smartest thing at this point, and this is a piece of advice for all you other escorts or just basic criminals out there. She calls the police. There's so many times where people do stupid stuff, and then they make even dumber decisions because they're like, oh, I'm a criminal. I don't want to get the police involved. But she has a body in her house now. She's an escort. She may have had other paraphernalia or something in that house. Who knows? But she's like, no matter what, what, no matter what my career choices or my life choices are, there is a dead man who tried to murder me right in my house. She calls the cops. So good on you, Heather. Cops show up. 
They immediately arrest her for being an escort. No, I'm just joking. Then the cops show up. There's this body laying there. She tells him the story. This guy points a gun at me. Tells me, live or die. We fight over it. I shoot him. Cops go, well, okay, you know, that's self, it's self-defense. We'll check the story, obviously, because it's just your, your story, but we'll look into it. They, they go to Neil's car. They open it up. This is what they find in his trunk. There's photographs of this, by the way. Four handcuffs, a machete, two axes, a sledgehammer, a small battle axe, several knives, clean shoes, clean underwear, bleach, and a plastic bin big enough to hold a human body. Neil Falls has lived all over the United States. And when they started looking into him, they noticed that in about 15 different states, he had had background checks done by patrol officers, street police, where they had pulled him over for a routine traffic stop. They ran his background. Now, a lot of times they'll run your plates, but it's unusual for the police to actually do a background check. It takes a bit longer, but the police officers at these routine traffic stops were doing this. Over the years, 15 different states. So they think that something in the person's demeanor, something in Neil's demeanor, something in the way he was interacting with the officer, raised some red flags. And the officer would go back to the patrol car, type in the info, wait a while, get back, clean record. Give him back his driver's license, let him on his way. Never really under suspicion for anything, but now we have a guy dead threatening to kill a woman, with what the police go, this is a murder kit. This isn't something that people would just kind of have sitting in their backseat. They start piecing stuff together. Almost every place that he lived in over the years, bodies of prostitutes, young drug addicts, were found dismembered or not found at all. Young women disappearing near places he stayed. When he worked at the Hoover Dam in Nevada, three prostitutes were found dead, one gone missing, never been found. When he worked in Ohio, four women found dead, two missing. Whenever they have like these serial killer profiles, they'll have like number of victims. His goes from zero to eight or more. Because it's possible that there were, uh, he just lived in a place where other serial killers lived, or he lived in a high crime area. So if you lived in Baltimore, Baltimore's having some serious problems over there. They have more murder. They just they just broke their record, the most murders of like all time in the city this year. But if you lived in Baltimore for a while and you lived in Oakland for a while and you went to San Francisco for a while and DC, is DC bad? DC was really bad when I was a kid in the 80s. DC was like the criminal capital of the world. But anyways, enough enough about my boomer crime statistics. It's possible that he just moved to areas he is working low-income jobs. He's living in bad neighborhoods. He lives in high-crime areas. People go missing. Possible. But they just look at this thing, and they're like, we have a guy who tried to kill an escort, who was found with all these weapons in his car. Body disposal things. He wasn't, you know, auditioning for American Gladiator. Like, these were ways that you chop up a human body. Victims are prostitutes. He's targeting this prostitute. Possibly he just wanted to be a serial killer or just a killer. Showed up at this woman's house and his first kill went wrong. Possible that he killed up to eight women or even more. They're still investigating this guy. But when they were searching his body, there was a piece of paper in his pocket. It was a list of six other escorts in the Charleston area. Women that they believe that Neil was going to visit after he was done with Heather. 
Heather was just trying to do her job one night, and most likely saved the lives of at least six women, and uncovered a serial killer who was prowling America's back streets. So, as we go into the year 2020, let us make a New Year's resolution to be safe. Be careful who you're inviting over to your house. You're like, Jason, I didn't need a segment. I didn't need a segment to tell me that. And I say, maybe you did. Maybe you did. Because let's be careful. You're like, Jason, you don't have a way to end this episode, do you? And I go, I don't. I don't. I never have a way to end my episodes. I am always pull them out of my butt. And I'm pulling this one out of my butt, too. Let 2020 be the year where nobody lets strangers come into their house. Shut off your Tinder Close your grinder. The what's the other one? Bumble. Get rid of that. Get rid of all your dating apps. Get rid of them because it's possible that a serial killer's out there. Instead, what you should do is walk around town. You like, you really don't have way to end this episode. You're really reaching. Quit interrupting me. You're only making it more difficult. Walk around town. Get out. Get to know people because. That way, it's less likely you will be killed by a stranger. Most people are murdered by somebody they know. So if 2020 is the year you're going to be murdered, get to know your get to know your murderer. That's a resolution. There we go. So that's that's the end of this episode. The last episode recorded on New Year's 19 no no, you're wrong. The fever has now gripped my brain, by the way. The last episode that will be recorded in the year 2019. We didn't talk about airships. We talked about a prostitute blowing a guy's head off instead. But it's it's all the same, right? It's pretty weird stuff. We'll do the airships tomorrow. As we sail into the year 2020, we'll talk about some old-timey airships and then some other weird story as well. So... I'm waving, even though I'm talking on a microphone. I'm sure you can hear my hand waving in front of the microphone. Thank you so much for the awesome year 2019. Remember, 2020, the year of the rabbit. You want to help support the show? We got the Patreon. We got the merch store in the show notes, both of those. If you can't do that, review the show anywhere you listen to podcasts, or please just get the word out about the show. really helps a lot. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. Twitter is at DeadRabbitRadio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day. But I'm so glad you listened to it this year. Have a great one, guys. See you in 2020. Bye. Still waving in front of a microphone. I don't know. Can you hear that? That was me waving. Have a great one, guys. I love you. And be safe. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.